0: welcome to the real estate investing made simple podcast the show empowering and educating people on how they can grow manage and protect their wealth through real estate investing now here's your host bailey kramer
1: what's going on everyone and welcome back to another episode of the real estate investing made simple podcast i'm your host bailey kramer and today we have an awesome guest joining us. She's a former Olympian tennis player turned real estate investor, and her name is Sunitha Rao. Welcome to the show, Sunitha.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yes, I am super excited to dive into your story. You have such a unique story, probably one that most people don't have. Being a former Olympian, which is awesome, but you also then transitioned that from tennis to real estate, which most people are like, "What? How did that even? How did that come about?" And I, I mean, curious. I don't
0: even know some days. I'm just here. So.
1: <laughs> so why don't you bring us back to I guess the early days of your of your journey? Um could be from from the tennis or where kind of where real estate kind of started to kick in?
0: Yeah, well, I think my my days as an athlete really forms kind of like the long term journey into real estate. Um, and that there are a lot of things that i learned through that journey that have helped me become successful in real estate, you know? So, um, as a professional athlete, um, I called a lot of shots in my own career. Um, obviously there's a person on the other side of the net, but at the same time, like I set my own schedule, like I did this, I was like the self-starter, the driver for my own career, did everything for it, all the logistics and everything. And, um, when the, I went to corporate America. It, it was great in the sense that like I had a stable paycheck coming in, but at the same time, like that, that freedom's kind of gone. Um, I remember walking into my first job after I went to undergrad and being introduced to someone in the finance department. I I'm in finance and um, in the corporate world, in addition to doing the real estate on the side right now, but yeah, it was introduced to uh, one of the women in the finance department. And I was told that she had been working at the company for 40 years, which was a, a significantly longer than I'd been alive at that point. And I was just, <laughs> like, I'm no stranger to commitment. Like I, uh, have been training like, and uh, pro tennis had been my like focus in my past since I was six years old and I only retired at 23. So like I've learned to focus and commit to something at a long age, but I was even, at, even with that, I was like, how do you sit at a desk? doing the same thing for 40 years, like just how, you know? Right. And I, I mean, maybe that should have been my warning, but maybe I'm also a little bit of a slow learner sometimes. because <laughs> like, I don't write in the corporate world, like, um, went to grad school it was really focused on climbing the corporate ladder, but there was just such a toll it was taking. And uh, that combined with the fact that, you know, um, I didn't really like having Like needing to have someone's approval, you know, like have them essentially tell me, you are worth this much this year in dollar value. Or this much per
1: hour. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Like a lot of that was more a lot much more defined by myself in my tennis days, you know. And there was just some things that just like weren't a great fit. I was working like around the clock nights, weekends, and that, that was like the norm. And anyone who wanted to get ahead, like had to do even more. And I was just like, where is the room for life? I am literally just existing in like right. the state. I am a worker. I, that is like all I'm doing, you know? And so um, that combined with some other things, I it was just like, there needs to, I need to have more influence over like my financial situation, because that is what, that is why I'm working. Like I'm, right. i going to be working for free, you right. know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that was defining so many of the choices that I. That was like the constraint for so many choices in my life, you know. Like if I could go on vacation, if I could take a day off, I could spend some time with my friends, you know. Like it just wasn't my job. Like right, defined right. everything, so. That's when I started looking to different aspects of personal finance or listened to different podcasts, got into travel hacking, all this, all these different things, but there was always like a ceiling. And again, I don't, I don't really like ceilings. you know? yeah. So, so um, I eventually found real estate through the bigger pockets podcast. And um, even like my own real estate journey, kind of like transformed from that space because when I found bigger pockets, I was living in Boston, um, commuting into the financial district for like my job at a pharma company, a job in finance, corporate finance for a pharma company, like it was just it was just a lot to handle, you know? And um I just I thought like, okay, maybe I could buy a duplex and house hack half of it. That way I can maybe live in a decent area or I don't have to pay $1,700 in rent a month. Like it was just, it was just so expensive. And that's kind of like where my kind of site started. But then I realized what was actually possible with real estate. And then I actually started analyzing properties and realizing, okay, so like I'll have to work for the next 17 years to get together a down payment for a duplex. (laughs) This doesn't sound like a very like expedient process.
1: Right, right.
0: So um, I started investing in the Midwest um, eventually after like I educated myself, saved some money, like did all that stuff, started investing in the Midwest and then um, also got additionally a little bit more tired of like the cutthroat, like culture that is corporate, like coastal finance, like all of this stuff, you know? And I was like, I think I need a break. I think I would like to do something a little bit different. And I know I can keep my Boston job and my Boston salary. What if I can also live somewhere more cheaply, you know, keep my Boston salary and like grow my, so I can fund more my business more quickly and that sort of thing. Right. So I actually ended up moving out to Indianapolis, which is where I had my investments. Like my initial goal was at 100% like to be where my investments were. Like right. my, my business was doing well like for the first year and change or whatever it was as a long distance investor but there were just so many other things like geo-arbitrage um a better lifestyle like just different things a more a a little more of a casual lifestyle as a former athlete like if someone else is working 10 hours I'll be like I will work 13 I'm (laughs) gonna leave you in the dust and like recognizing this about myself I was like maybe I need to take myself out of this so I like it's not as much of a threat so yeah, so moved out to the Midwest, and so um, for like about the last three and a half years, I've been slowly growing my portfolio. Um, I'm at nine doors now, having sold one about two weeks ago, and um, nice. definitely looking to still grow. Um, made up of single families and duplexes, like definitely people who have I think like grown much more quickly. You know, um, done other things to to grow their portfolio more quickly, but I. I chose this path intentionally. I would love to like be financially free. I will get there in time, but also I'm very fiscally conservative. So I just wanted this journey and this path to work for me.
1: For sure. That's, that's awesome. And and such a unique story. I want to start unpacking it. So s- starting back a little bit or a lot of it to the tennis days yes. you mentioned, because kind of throughout you, you dealt with the corporate America, and then the real estate side, and then obviously the tennis side, and I'm sure there's a lot more in the mix. But on the tennis side, did you ever play doubles, or were you always just solo playing single?
0: No, I played both. Actually, some of my best results were in doubles. I almost cracked the top hundred in wow. doubles. Um, I was in. I played Olympic. I played Olympics. I played. I was in the Olympics for doubles in 2008. Um, yeah, so I definitely did both.
1: Okay, because the thing that kind of struck me is just like. The similarities with having partners in tennis in a sport, and then also uh, in business on the real estate side, also kind of also like having a job, having another person. Although the job is like, I think a little bit different since there's one person who is like on paper and you know like higher than the other person. You know, on paper they have a bigger role. But as far as real estate and tennis goes, just kind of tying them in. Do you? take, I guess my question first is, do you partner with other people on your real estate deals? And if yes, do you see any similarities or have you learned anything from the tennis days of playing doubles, having a partner, that type of thing with the investing side?
0: That's that's an interesting question. That's not one that I've been asked before. (laughs) Um, That was a good one. So, I mean, I think yes and no. Um, With the way I do partnerships, I'm in I I I'm in control. So yeah, yeah, I, do, yeah. I take on debt partners. Um yeah. so I don't share equity, like they're silent partners, they get their mailbox money, like I I run point on the legal documents, I run point on everything, you know. Um, so I think it differs from doubles in that um it doubles the, your partner hopefully has a more active role. <laughs> you know? Um so in that sense, like there's more control in the way I set up partnerships as opposed to being on the part of a doubles team. That being said, the, the way in which it does, I think um, in which the ways in which there are similarities, I think it comes down to relationship building, you know, because like in the middle of a match uh, you're going to mess up your partner's going to mess up. Things are going to happen. Like you can't just be like, screw you. I'm out. Like you suck. You know, like the relationship comes first, you like get through the deal, you get through the match and then you figure out like how to better it, and that sort of thing. But like the relationship always like has to come first. You look out for your partner, no matter what the scenario.
1: Right. No, totally. That's awesome. Something that just from my journey learning, and I think it's about the people you surround yourself with, but I think a lot of people preach partnerships and I think that's great for certain people. The other thing too, like kind of with what I'm hearing from you is not only you, you don't do it. You don't do it solo. You obviously have like the debt partners and other people, but it's also same thing with like tennis. Like you have your coaches, you have the people you're talking to, you have whether it's official or not, you have a team that you're, that you're working with or you're aligning with and learning from and with. And I think that can be applied for anybody even starting out in real estate. Like people, I think have the question of, I don't have, I don't have money. Do I need to partner with someone give away equity? There's so many different ways to structure it. And I think you have a, you you have a unique structure where you like, you know, you've learned that you like to have the control. You want to be. But also I
0: will say, I think, I I don't think like, I've gotten to the point I didn't start out with deaf partnerships. I didn't start out with any partners. Like this happened in the last year or two, because I firmly believe like let's backtrack and think about this concept, real estate investing. It is investing. Investing is done with discretionary income. Discretionary income is earned and kept and grown through judicial financial management, right? So like, I I didn't have money when I started, when I wanted to do it either. Like I was in grad school, um, I had zero money when I got out of college, like literally, like I had no family support. I had nothing, you know, I'd like scrap, scrape my way through college, working three different jobs. Like, um, and the tennis career didn't leave me like very well off either. So like, it took a lot of time to get back to a good position. Would I have loved to jump in, in 2016, when I had the idea, hell Yes you know what property values were five years ago? Like, are you kidding me? Like, absolutely. I was chomping at the bit. I waited two years. So that because I felt like I personally, I needed to prove out my investment theory. When I bought my first property, all I had was abstract theory, things I'd read, I had no idea how it actually worked in person, you know, and so I think there's, I think it can be a little bit unfair to like, go to someone and take their money when you haven't gotten to the point where you have your own just yet. Again, these are like my personal theories. People have done well, not doing that more power to them. But I do think like, if I was to share like my advice, I would much rather like see people. Okay. Like double down on yourself, take the time to learn, take the time to do it. Right. Once you learn, you can do it right with your money. Then like do good in the world. Yes. Give people opportunities to invest. Both of you can make money. Um, and both of it, it, can all be done well, but I think taking the time to like build a strong financial standing is imperative because not only that, let's say you do what I do and you take on debt partners. At some point you exit the partners and the way I structure it, like I pay them the interest rate on their loan and then I'm in front of all expenses. So if I don't have adequate reserves or I don't know how to financially manage my property, that's going to go downhill if you don't understand financial management and you take on a partner who maybe does you won't know if they screw you you won't know like where the money's going like you actually need to like be hands on i believe and to be most successful to to know how all of this works and there's no better way than to put yourself on the line
1: right yeah i i i agree with that obviously there's other options people can take like the thing the thing i did which is kind of like a mixture is i was I was very nervous to bring on capital because I had no experience, no anything. And it was funny at this point, when I, when I got my first deal, I had a lot of people who were willing to give me money just because they've seen me posting about it online, which was like, yeah, they, they saw my hustle. They believed in me and I believed in myself, but it was still obviously like super scary. But the thing that really made me feel a lot better is number one, I partnered with someone who's done it before and that, yeah. And that alone was like, like a big, like sigh of relief. Like, I don't need to figure out, I don't need to, I'm not learning this brand new. I mean, I am personally, but it's not like the way I'm going to be handling, handling this is going to be like a rookie because I'm with someone who's not a rookie. That was like one thing that helped me tremendously. Yeah. Gave me more confidence and definitely kind of pushed the needle ahead. Like I I didn't, I didn't have to wait. I, I didn't even have any money really at this time. It was more of, I just had a good deal in my hand and and, and the yeah. hustle piece was big.
0: No, like I, I totally, I 100% also toyed with that idea of finding someone um, and partnering with them on the deal. Like, I think that's a great way to start. There's, there's just so many questions. There's so many questions on every deal. Like yeah. every single one is different. Every single one gives you like a, what the hell am I doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> how do I solve this problem? There's another problem. Goodness. Right. You know? And um, that's something that the books don't tell you and having people by your side to help you with that is um, just is massive. Um, I, I think another way that can be done is like spending the time before that to build your network, find people who are like inherently like good You know, and try to find a way to add value to them, be appreciative of them, be respectful of their time, but like build your network that way so that when one off things happen, you can be like, maybe I can just shoot them a quick text and not take too much of their, time. you know, and um, I, I think that's the great thing about our community is that people love to help each other. There aren't, there are people like us in the majority of the population. So I think having a like-minded person, it's like, hey, friend, yes, you know? Right. So I think really building out that community. This is the, like, out of all of the different areas and careers and jobs and whatever I've done to make money, this is the one that is most most closely correlated um, with your network and the money that you make.
1: Totally agree with you, 100%, 100%. I'm curious. So, on that first deal that you did, mm. what? How do you? How did you? Did you go to the bank at a traditional mortgage? Did you do any like special financing? What did that kind of? What kind of? What did what did baby that deal steps. look like?
0: I took baby steps. and My friends okay. are like, you really should be like taking more risks. You could go. Fa- you could grow faster, and they're right. Yeah. But this is a better fit for me. So yeah, um, found the property off the MLS. Um, it was one I had wanted previously, but I didn't move fast enough. I was sitting there staring at it going, should I, should I not? And then of course it went pending. And I was like, oh my God, I want to die. So so when it came, when I came back on market, like I had done more research on the air, like I knew that I wanted it. I lined up a lender, got an investor loan, like 20 to 25% um, down river it was. And then had a property manager lined up, um, work with her and their in-house GC. I still work with for a lot of um, projects, even though like the property manager and the GC and I, we've all kind of like gone on to do our own things, but um, yeah, work with him to get a bid on the property, get the inspection, like try to figure out how much it would cost, whether it still makes sense talk to the PM to confirm what I thought we'd get for rents, make sure like all of that kind of like penciled out as I had thought it would. And yeah, that was, that was basically it. Got it. All of the wow. money that I saved for two years was just like gone. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and how did you find, how, how did you gain the confidence in these people? Like the, the contractor, for example. Yeah. How did you gain the confidence that he was giving you real numbers and you could confidently, you know, have go to your investors and, and say, or I guess that's when you did yourself.
0: Yeah, I did it myself wow. at that point. Um, I just relied on like the networks. I didn't call anyone who I didn't have a connection with. So I may, I became pretty decent friends with a volume investor in the area. He recommended the property manager who he used, like she and I got along well. then she recommended the GC and the agent who I used, you know? And so like, I kind of grew like that. It was all through like recommendations and building strong relationships and then leveraging those relationships for other people. And I mean, that's not always 100% going to work. Like, you might want to get a couple bids and see how that works out. Do your own research, see if the numbers make sense. But yeah, that's, that's what worked for me. Like they don't want to screw over their other friends or other people who are also making them money. So I guess, I mean, I was also lucky in a way that they didn't screw over me. That right. doesn't stop right. everyone.
1: For sure. But I do think that the best way to get anybody like on your team working with you is through referrals. If you have someone that you, know you like and you trust and they refer someone to you it's to me like that's a that's a big deal to have someone refer someone to to you and same vice versa referring somebody like a friend of yours to somebody else because that shows that basically says listen I believe in this person and you should too here you
0: know 100% I agree
1: yeah so I mean that alone would already give me I mean I'd probably still get an extra bit or two But but like-
0: Especially when you're starting out, like that's just like the the litmus test. You like, that's also an opportunity to learn and to manage that for sure. For
1: sure. And and I think with the networking piece as well, I think sometimes people, at least me like starting out, I didn't fully understand right away how important a network was or like why I actually needed it. I'm like, these are gonna be my investment properties. I'm not gonna like, I don't really want partners, but it's so much more than just partnering with people on deals. It's, no, it's it's so much.
0: <laughs> you mind if I share a couple examples? Yeah, please,
1: please. So like,
0: yeah, like it's just I can't even tell you. So I think like one, uh, I went to a one is I went to like a conference, um not even a real estate conference, a personal finance conference because a buddy of mine was into FI and he was like financial independence. He's like, you really should go, blah, blah blah. And I was just like, I don't have a finance blog, I don't do anything on Instagram. Like, why, why? And he was just like, just do it, just do it, and. I was like, okay, like you are kind of where I want to be eventually, like clearly you must know something. So I'm just going to do it. And at the time that was like, right. When I was moving to Indianapolis, like tickets were like 250 or 300. And then I had to pay for my hotel. I had to pay for my flight and all in all, it was probably like a grand. It was a thousand dollars. I could not freaking afford. Right? Like, let, I cannot stress that enough. Like I was like, oh my goodness. You know, like it was so stressful. I went to the conference and that first property that I got, that we were just talking about, was a two bedroom, one bathroom main house and a detached carriage house. Detached carriage house was like renting for like 500 bucks a month, like 450 after I took out my PM fees, um, a tiny 400 square foot place, complete garbage. Like, complete. Just, the location was great, amazing. But like, that in itself wasn't going to be making me a ton of money. So, went to the conference. Start talking to people, made friends with this one person in particular. And she had, there were a couple investors, made friends with this one investor in particular. And we're talking about our stuff and I was telling her about this place. And she was like, that is actually the best place to Airbnb. I'm literally looking for places like that to Airbnb. And I was just like, I don't know the first thing about Airbnb. I have a full-time job. I have like five other doors. I'm trying to house hack my stuff. I'm trying to learn how to paint. Like I cannot figure out how to run a short-term rental successfully right now. And she was like, yeah, that makes sense. And so like, we we're talking and talking and she's like, I really want to help you though. Like, cause we were friends and she was like, I think this is a good opportunity. I can see you're hungry. Like you just need like a leg up. And I was like, okay, like sure. But what do you need help with? Turns out she was launching a short-term rental course. So we put our heads together. She taught me how to turn this thing into an Airbnb. I got a three-day intensive course. Right. I helped her flesh out her, her course. Like she would tell me things and I would just like structure all the information. So that made right. sense. So she could just like verbally vomit on me for lack of a better term, just get it out of her head. And I'd be like, this doesn't make sense. No one's going to understand this. Just hold on. Let me like wordsmith this, figure this out. And then like through that she was able to monetize expedite making money on her course and i had a rental that within like three months was going from netting 450 i'm not talking about like piti any of that because the main house covered that but went from like 450 to netting over a thousand dollars a month net after all expenses everything you know so like that's one example like it's not always partnerships it's always like it's also like knowledge etc and then this person actually came back COVID happened. We didn't really see each other like connected every once in a while, came back, went to a bigger pockets conference. She's looking to expand her Airbnb portfolio to other States. I have a place that just came available and I don't have the time or money to turn it into an Airbnb. And she was like, I'll pay you 10% above peak market rent. If you will help me furnish it and just let me rent it out. So I have a higher rent. She's taking care of like the first 250 bucks in all repairs for the life of the lease and she's paying me extra like hourly to help her set it up because she's in California and about to have her third kid and can't come out here. So it's kind of like we're both like and she makes a ton of money on these things. She's like really good at this. So we're both just like by making that that one friendship has uh, sh- like really changed the course of my cash flow significantly.
1: For sure. That, that's that's incredible and something that you mentioned too is like you went to this you went to this conference and you had I think it was one property at the time
0: I think I had three but you, you had three but yeah but okay.
1: I, my, my point yeah my point point and this this happened with me as well on my journey is even when it, even before I had any properties I had like zero by just telling people what you're trying to do or what you're looking to do and what you're going to do is already a huge leg up because yeah. you could just be sitting in the corner, like, well, I don't have any properties, and you know,
0: I, say, it, I felt like that. I was like, I'm here with like three, like, who cares?
1: Right, Literally,
0: right. Who cares? There's right. Nothing. I felt like about this big, you know. Literally. And there are all these people who I'd like seen on podcasts, this, that, and the other, and like, I, I, I'm not joking at all. Like one of my good friends, I met him there. And he's telling me a story. I was like, yeah, yeah, I heard this. I heard this on, I heard this on bigger pockets. You did this and you did that. And he's like, okay, you are not creepy at all. Like, you are- <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. My social skills have gone out the window. I get it. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, like, yeah. Just putting yourself out there and being a good person and hungry, like yeah. is honestly everything that you need and thinking through things. Don't be like, how do I buy it house? Like, you right. know I mean? For sure it so that you can you show them like you're on top of it otherwise it's kind of like this is probably not gonna
1: flush out right a f- funny thing I, I was I was a guest on a podcast multiple actually like a handful before I even had my first property and I was I was invited on to all these podcasts and at, at the first one I was like why would they invite me like I literally have nothing like I, 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 I'm I like I don't even have, have
0: to any... say. Yeah. I
1: have no skills. <laughs> right. Right. And that's what I thought and felt like. And I was like, I'm totally, I hope I'm not misleading anybody. Cause I don't have, I, I don't have anything right now, but what I realized is people saw what I was, what I was doing currently and where I was headed. And there was a lot to take, take from that. So just because I guess a note for the listeners, a message for them is like, no matter where you are, it's, it's somewhere that is important and something that, should be talked about. If you have zero doors, that it doesn't mean you're, you know, that's not a big deal. As long as you're in the right direction and you're seeking yeah. for more and you talk about that, that's huge. It's, it's yeah. all
0: about what's up here. It's for not sure. about what's sure. your bank account, it's not about what the county has in your name. It's like all about what here and that's what people recognize.
1: Right. And honestly, I, I I'm
0: pointing like, to my head for the people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I I don't think people actually care like how much I mean, I don't think people talk about how much money they have in the bank, or really how many doors. I mean, I guess people talk about doors, but at the end of the day, it's no about one doors too much. Yeah, I, I think so as well. But at the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, if if someone's thing is to talk about their doors, that could, that's cool for them. But it doesn't have to be. There's I don't think there's one metric in no. real estate that's like if you don't have this, you you are terrible. Like yeah,
0: you can no. be yeah. terrible and I felt terrible, but uh, like, I think, I think for anyone listening, like, I think if you want to take any of what the metrics that people are touting about their own portfolio, you like, you have to take it with a grain of salt, right? You know, people are like, okay, I went from zero to a hundred doors in three years. Okay. I'm like, okay. So like, where was your money? What's your money source? Did you fund it yourself? Are you actually, do you, are you, owning it with 17 different people like it's great if you are but like don't say you won't like i have 100 doors
1: right right you know what i mean like there's yeah. a big
0: difference fully owning 100 and having like the equivalent of like maybe 10 you know right. like it just it makes you feel bad because you're like i can't scale to 100 doors 100 you know <laughs> yeah and then also there's cash flow right and cash like so my friend the one who does the airbnb is the one like i mentioned earlier like She'll net 3k a door. She doesn't need 100 doors, right. you know. And she's crushing it. So, and then other people will have 400 doors in like a C class area, and their total net cash flow after all the turnover is like 40 bucks a door. And they're like, "This sucks," and it does suck, you know. Right. So it's kind of like there's a lot of variables. Like it, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Just like improve your own life and 100%. learn from others as best you can
1: hundred percent. It's so much more. easier
0: said than done. Cause I'm like, I spend most of my days going, I suck. Like I don't <laughs> have enough doors. I need more doors.
1: Yeah. No, so. I, we're always striving for more, but I think having an understanding like that actually the reason why I, I, when I first got interested in real estate, I thought multifamily was like the path for me. Cause I'm like, yeah, I want a hundred million dollars assets under management. And cause I, and I can't, I mean, I, it's, it's hard because when, when there's, Gurus and gurus throwing that at me and everybody yeah. else. It like yes, it's 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 well, it is my no, fault for finding that. that. But yeah, it's it's like it's like, yeah, why 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 wouldn't I want, you know, that so
0: yeah, no, and I think in that same book, <laughs> I think my mindset just changed a little bit this year when I saw like when I started to realize like, okay, this is I'm trying to do this personally for a better life with more free time.
1: Yeah. See you know, reason. so like
0: Yeah, that's that's my why. And so I can totally try to grow and buy like apartment complexes, apartment complexes for like hundreds of units like I see everybody else doing. Yeah. But do I am I really just trying to replace one job with another? Because then you have like investors, you have preferred returns, you have to do the marketing sheets, you have to do like all these other things. It's not just like you're sitting there like Daddy Warbucks. (laughs) <laughs> you know? like, yeah, it's got to
1: align with your goals. That's like the yeah, most important, like important thing.
0: If, if your journey needs to be different or your goals need to be different for you, so be it at the end of the day on your deathbed, you're the one that's there. No one else is going to be like, I made this mistake with my life or I did this well with my life. Like you have to right. be happy with the choices you make.
1: For sure. So Sunita, let's catch us up to where you're at now. You you mm. you know, you said you started in 2016 or 2018?
0: 20. 20- 2018, yeah. 2018
1: bought yeah. your first, first door and i got catch yeah. up to speed where you, where you're at now, what strategy you're using, what that all looks like.
0: Yeah. So I'm still in like the residential space. So mainly singles and doubles, single families and duplexes. Um, I have nine doors right now. Um, one short-term rental, seven long-term rentals. And I live in one of the doors cause I'm house hacking it. Um, nice. fix it up, have someone take care of my rent. Move on. So, in about a year or so, once this place is the place I'm in is done, uh, that'll be a full time rental as well. Um, I am focused still on the single family space. I've started taking on private lenders. So, working with them to kind of grow the portfolio, it's very, very competitive. And so, um, I'm going to start scaling up sometime soon, but that's not like my immediate goal in this moment when cap rates are for the multifamilies are just like so compressed. I think sure. I think there'll be a moment of reckoning or something happening sometime soon. Um but I know my returns on my single families have been because I buy in like good locations where there's like good school districts. It's gentrifying rapidly like I don't buy anything that's I've tried it. It didn't work. That was the house I sold. Um, I don't buy anything in like kind of lower income areas and that sort of thing. So right. Um, I'm just focusing on buying quality assets that where there's equity embedded when I buy it. There's additional room for sweat equity. There's still really good cash flow. And there is the opportunity for further property value growth as time goes on. Love it.
1: Love it. And I'm curious too, because I know I don't know if you know the answer off the top of your head, but with the financing piece, getting getting mortgages from the bank, is there a certain limit? For residential mortgages, and because I know you're at like I think you're close to I think it's ten. I don't I'm not, I'm not I'm not yeah, an expert in the mortgage like side. I believe yeah. it's
0: ten doors. Um, but you can also get around that I believe. Um, by like refinancing. So I refinanced five of my doors into a commercial portfolio, and I had like one really high interest rate. So it actually even though it's a shorter amortization period it's 25 versus the 30 years that we get through like Fannie Freddie loans um my payment dropped like 200 bucks a month when i went to that um so yeah that's kind of that was what i decided to do and that frees up the other loans and now i'm trying uh, to get back up to my 10 because those those interest rates and those terms are just like so attractive
1: yeah yeah and then with that commercial loan, i'm curious is there a certain amount of doors or volume you need to get a commercial loan or how would that work? Or So you this know is that?
0: With a portfolio lender and that the port the bank, the credit union is lenient. So some banks will require seven doors. Um, I looked at that beforehand. Um, this portfolio lender will put it into like their commercial loan with one door. And you can get like a line of equity against a line of credit against the equity in the property, um, which is really helpful too. So you're not sitting with debt equity for making good decisions based on property value.
1: Right. Oh, that's, that's super cool. I like it. Well, Sinitha, we're now going to move on to the next section of our show, which is called the big four. And this is where we ask all of our guests the same four questions. So number one, what is your number one habit for success?
0: I think it comes down to time management.
1: Time management. Do you use any like tools, quick follow, any-
0: No, just my anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, like I'm just looking, I'm usually just looking to squeeze as many minutes out of the day. Like I try not to get lax, you know, like it's really easy to lose time sitting on the couch, scrolling through social media or looking at the ceiling because you're tired. You know, but I, I try to have like a to-do list and to like keep myself moving as you keep yourself moving. It's just, you're just able to get more done, you know? So just like managing, being being aware of how you're spending your time.
1: For sure. Yeah, I definitely need to do a better job at that. Yeah. Um, question number two, limiting beliefs are thoughts in our heads that hold us back from realizing our potential. What is one limiting belief that you were able to crush and how did that impact your life?
0: Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think like, I'm... I, I dropped out of school after sixth grade, like to play tennis professionally. Like I, I think my biggest limiting belief was that I could never do anything like this. Like people like me don't own property and my parents were on welfare. Like growing up, we were on all kinds of like social assistance, Right. We eventually, worked our way out of it. But I, being poor never kind of leaves you, you know, yeah. and people are like, oh, this professional tennis player, like you must have so much money. I'm like, you don't know how much how much it costs everything you make goes back into it and equipment stuff is expensive but when you're good people give it to you for free you know so it just I never I thankfully had the ability to work hard enough and be good enough to not have to do it but like yeah it was just more like this I don't deserve this I can't do this I can't figure it out and right um I think I just combated that through sheer, I I joke with my friends that I'm more brawn than brain a lot of times. And I think that's how like, I just like willed myself through it. Like I have pictures like in 2017 when I was on a cruise reading um, how to raise private capital by Matt Faircloth, you know, like I just like willed my way, made sure like I knew as much as I possibly could every drive to work, every drive, literally anywhere podcasts were on like, just like, there's no other way other than to know everything you can. And if you For know sure. everything you possibly can, and you know, as like as much as there is out there and there are other people being successful, then you'll figure it out.
1: For sure. that, that, yeah, f- fantastic. Love that. So question number three, where do you see yourself or your business in five to 10 years?
0: Uh, I think five to seven, probably hitting financial independence. I would hope <laughs> um, that's my goal. Yeah. Um, I have like numbers and like goals in mind, but also the market is changing. And I know my business now doesn't look like what I thought it would look like two years ago or three years ago. So like, it's probably going to look drastically different in seven years. And honestly it really freaking should because the market that I started investing in is not the market that we're in now. It won't be the market that we're in in seven years, but I do see myself doing this. I do see myself being open to new investing opportunities and learning as much as I can to make sure I can pivot as things change and as my life changes.
1: Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think, too, I think there's like the the, the quote you underestimate what you can do in five years, and then you overestimate what you can do in a year. I think you can get there a lot faster than seven years, personally.
0: I think so, too. But But, like, (laughs) I want to be doing well. I don't want to like step off the track to like ever think about coming back. Like, I want to, yeah,
1: Definitely, we'll you know, totally. not, Who knows? <laughs> and last thing, Sunita, what's one message you want to leave for the listeners?
0: Oh, I didn't think about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that like anything is possible. Like, I have a lot of people who don't believe, it'll come to me with like questions, you know, very kind of like things where it's just clear that they don't really believe in themselves, but it's not, this isn't hard in terms of an intellectual exercise in terms of figuring it out what is hard is sticking through it when you have four roof repairs a broken fridge a a, a tub that's leaking like four tenants who suddenly hate you for I don't know what reason (laughs) like one tenant who's not paying one who's just missing like that's what's hard you know, like brace yourself for that. But it's not going to, I don't think it's like, if you pay attention to the details and you educate yourself, it's not going to be due to anything that like you don't possess in terms of intellectual ability or making for bad sure. decisions. People are afraid of bad decisions. I yeah.
1: Think. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, it's funny. Like real estate itself isn't like hard. It's just like compared to a a rocket scientist where you need to know all these like crazy things. Yeah. It's pretty, it's or like a even my
0: job. I'm looking at <laughs> spreadsheets and I'm like, I don't know what this person sent me. I don't know what any of this, what are they doing? Yeah. You know, whereas like with the house, like it, you might be like, I don't know why this is leaking, but you can have someone take care of it and figure right. it out. So.
1: Right. The problems are a lot, I think a lot different and a lot like simpler as long as you get the right people to take, like you don't need yeah. to know how to fix the leak. You just need to, if you have a phone and you have a computer and look up somebody's to call you're already like a huge step ahead so i think the it's funny most of the i would say most but a lot of the successful real estate people and entrepreneurs that i look up to most of them didn't graduate from school or most of them don't i guess rely on that part of it they just yeah. it's just like work ethic and and like pro, pro uh problem, problem solving, solving. Like
0: exactly. it, it's like constant problem solving, but yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh. Like I, uh,
0: yeah. I, I was recently like reading this thing like about like how Barbara Corcoran, who is like the real estate goddess, you know, like she was fired from like six jobs, and you sit there going like, how do you get fired from six jobs and still be able to do this, you know? And right. How you can you do this if you were fired from six jobs? and the same like Mark Cuban was fired. A ton too, you know, and right. it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a different breeding, it's a different way of thinking, <laughs> but it's clearly doable if you just kind of get out of your own way.
1: For sure, for sure. So, Anita, where can the listeners get a hold of you?
0: Um, probably through my website, griffixpropertygroup.com, G R I S S I X, or my Instagram, which is S U N I underscore R A O underscore.
1: Awesome. I love it. And I'll put those in the show notes below. So make sure you go check those out. And I just want to say, Sunita, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure. diving. Yeah, absolutely. Diving more into your story. So I know we, I know we chatted briefly about it, but to really get the full picture and, and learn about, you know, where you started, where you're going, incredible to hear. So I just want to say, Sunita, thank
0: you again. No problem. Thanks for having me thank you for listening to the real estate investing made simple podcast for more resources or to connect with us further please visit our website www.baileykramer.com we'll see you next time